Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis, U.S. Army retired, is with us as we continue to delve into artificial intelligence and the uh, AI arms race with China. I'm reading uh, about artificial intelligence, and one of the the terms that comes up now and again uh, is algorithmic forever wars. Algorithmic forever wars. What does that mean? Well, algorithmic, you know, of course, that's the machine language uh, that we often associate with artificial intelligence, whether it's you know, more of the, the, the deep thinking or the deep uh, you know, algorithms that are overlapping and trying to you know, learn uh, about the environment, whether it's a, you know, like a self-driving uh, automobile. It's constantly, you know, it's programmed with an algorithm that says this is what to do, but it's also learning about the pathway uh, ahead and being diverted. So deep learning is, is part of this whole effort. And, of course, it's, it's tethered to the Internet of Things so it can track the way ahead and anticipate problems. So it's, it's about the, the science of computers and how, you know, certainly in my lifetime, you were talking about Woodstock. And I, I started West Point the, that summer, you know, not far from Woodstock. And 50 years ago, I was walking around as a young cadet at West Point with these big cards, punch cards. And it was very simple algorithms that we were using to do simple math. And look what we have today. Uh, I mean, you know, in my pocket, I carry around this iPhone that is incredibly complex, that talks to the world, that tells me how to get from point A to point B, that does my finances. You know, this is just the, the, the cusp of a future revolution that's going to transform everything that we do. Artificial intelligence is, is the way of the future. As I said at the beginning of the program tonight, you know, what... You know, the CEO of Google said, it's, a, it's as important to us as electricity and fire. And as Stephen Hawking says, it's the biggest event in human history. I don't know that it's really seized people as yet, but we're beginning to sense it around us that things are just going to be very, very different in the future. You mentioned Google. Are you concerned about Google's seeming cooperation with the government in China, you know, creating, uh, well, first of all, uh, helping China to, to, uh, to censor the, the Internet in that country and also to develop uh, applications in, which seem intended to, to spy on their people? Of course. You know, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Dunford, you know, met with Google this past week for that very same reason, Richard, because we don't want Google helping the Chinese military. And in fact, we believe that you know, what they're doing with the major investment in artificial intelligence, what they're doing with trying to contain especially the Uyghurs in the West, is just indicative of how they want to capture their entire culture. They want to use this Internet of Things and their 5G technology to trace absolutely everything that their people do. You know, it's Big Brother. It's 1984. Uh, This is where we are almost at. 
uh, supercomputing, nanotechnologies, uh, genomics, you know, gene splicing, robotics, 3D printers. This technology is here and now, and it's a very serious thing that we have to get our hands around. And that's why, you know, people that are thinking about the anxieties associated with AI, whether or not AI is safe, is AI going to create monsters that we cannot control? You know, I'm looking at a copy of uh, the DOD Department of Defense Directive uh, 3000.09, Autonomy in Weapon Systems. You know, you talk about transformers, autonomous transformers. Are we going to make sure that we have a red button on every autonomous transformer to stop it from going off into the deep, you know, decision-making about killing people? I hope so. It says that in the regulation we're not going to allow that to happen. I will assure you, given what I know about the Chinese, they aren't going to put that sort of caveat on their systems and what might that happen? Because these systems are going to learn and learn and learn. They're going to get far more intelligent than any human being can be, even the, the Hawkins of the world. They're going to be doing things that we just can't even imagine. And that's where we're going. And that's what I'm concerned about. Sem- semi-autonomous um, drone, semi-autonomous uh, fighter craft, semi-autonomous, I don't know, nuclear submarines. Is that what it's going to come down to is the decision whether to uh, to rain down nuclear Armageddon on a population will be left to some mathematical equation, uh, an, a, an, an algorithm? Well, the semi-autonomous suggests that there's a human in the loop. You know, I would be more concerned about the autonomous. But yeah, I, I think that's where we're going. You know, it, you know, it's quite possible that because decisions are going to be made at a quicker level just because of the massive data and the, the ability to pull information, that nuclear deterrence will change. You know, we may make a decision because of what our artificially intelligent decision-making tools are telling us about another country's nuclear weapons and whether or not they're about to launch. You know, we'll try to anticipate uh, inside what they're thinking uh, based upon massive data and the history of these individuals that we happen to know that are inside these bunkers in foreign lands. You know, this is... This is kind of where we are heading to. Now, how do you control that? You know, that's what we're trying to do with the uh, Pentagon's directives. That's what we're trying to do with the New York University. I, I think Google, that's what they're trying to do, is to how do you contain this monster that wants to break out and, you know, quite frankly, become incredibly capable and dictate. You know, there, there's a, a phenomenon that... Uh, we've we haven't discussed this yet it's about how ai is going to influence future culture it's called technological singularity uh how is all of this massive information and this access to anything about any time going to change mankind and civilization i would argue it's going to change us in a way that you know potentially may not be so good that's what I'm concerned about, and, and I, I think the ethicists in this country ought to be concerned about it. Those concerned about civil liberties ought to be concerned. Government ought to be engaged in this totally and try to put firewalls up to prevent AI from becoming a monster 
that is creating even worse monsters. And I think that that's real possible. Keep in mind that AI's holy grail is what we call artificial general intelligence, AGI. This is where the AI device becomes self-aware, conscience. Uh, They can solve virtually any problem as long as they have all access to all data. And they become, you know, they create themselves to be smarter all the time because they never stop learning. Uh, This is a future that, you know, a few years ago we never would have dreamed of. And I don't think that Huxley or any of the visionaries of the past have even thought about where we're going. In future wars, do you see it breaking out something like this, robot attacking or killing other robots in the battlefield, or are civilian populations going to be targeted by taking out, let's say, the the power grid, which, you know, by some estimates, if we had an EMP event in the United States, for example, uh, within the first year, some estimates, we were so dependent on electricity, you could have a fatality rate of something like 90% in one year. Is that the future of warfare? Oh, yes. Uh, I think EMP is, is a real possibility. You know, it's not just from the North Koreans or the Iranians, uh, the Chinese, the Russians. Uh, we're all aware of how to, to light up an EMP over a, a metro uh, or a country area and then fry all the electronics. And, you know, we're beginning to get serious, but we're far behind you know, getting serious about it. Now, your scenario, Richard, I think is, is uh, important here. Yeah, and let me give you a bit of historic uh, perspective. Back in World War I, uh, we faced uh, a German Navy that was sinking civilian ships. Uh, and, and they weren't ensuring the safety of the crew or the passengers. Uh, we called that barbaric, and rightly so. And so after that war, uh, we negotiated international treaties that said we would ban unrestricted submarine warfare. Well, what happened after December the 7th, 1941. Well, that fateful day, and I was just there a week ago at Pearl Harbor, uh, the Japanese attacked Ford Island and destroyed our fleet. Now, what did we do within six hours? We disregarded our international treaties, and we went after, with our own submarines, the Japanese civilian merchant fleet. So if we go to war... We may have all these great rules and regulations governing the use of autonomous or semi-autonomous weapons, but when the Chinese use them against us, guess what? We'll immediately, in almost uncertainty, launch similar platforms against them. And then, Katie, bar the door. I'm guessing, though, Bob, in in the not-too-distant future, you won't need an EMP to take out a power grid. You just... You, you send some sort of a, I mean, the wars will be fought with malware. No, I, I think you're right. Uh, unless we segment our, our power grids and other, our financial networks and so forth, if we make them vulnerable as they are today to cyber malware, to cyber attacks, because this is really costing, certainly in the United States, you know, arguably trillions of dollars on an annual basis. It's incredibly expensive how we've lost control over a lot of our own data. We've got to get serious. I would argue that this is probably the defining moment in the next couple of years. If we can't 
wrestle control over how this data is linked around the world and how we're going to bring some sort of rule and regulation and constraint and, and keep criminal syndicates and keep uh, adversarial nations away from our data, then uh, we will increase in vulnerability almost exponentially uh, into the near future. This is serious. I don't see nearly enough concern on Capitol Hill that I think we ought to have. I don't hear anybody talking about this on C-SPAN or, or anywhere. In, in, in a more traditional war, you know, you simply, you kill the enemy. But who is the enemy in a conflict when you have, let's face it, national boundaries are being erased. You have no fixed battlefields, no conventional adversaries. No, you're right. Yeah, there will not be a fixed boundary. You know, look in space. You know, the the Chinese have a very robust space program. You know, they they have an orbiter now. Uh, they have anti-satellite systems. They recognized back in 1990-91 when we demonstrated uh, against Saddam Hussein a capability of marshalling a massive force and expeditiously discharging him up to Baghdad uh, that... Our dependence upon satellites uh, and our ability to move massive forces uh, was a sophistication that both Beijing and Moscow liked. They went to school on us. They spent the following uh, several decades you know, repairing that problem. So now they intend to knock our satellites out of orbit to destroy them. And, of course, we've seen something recently that suggests that Certainly Moscow has such a capability. I don't have any doubt that the Chinese do. So they would, they would blind us, basically, uh, with, by taking out our satellites. And, of course, they have their own constellation, which we would have to take out in, in turn. But then the whole cyber issue, uh, using whether it's you know, the, the cables that they monitor in the ocean floor all the time. We catch the Russians doing that. We catch the Chinese doing that. These are things that uh, are, are really transforming who we are, uh, and it's going to be hard to fix. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.